0: Right, check, check. Uh, making sure everybody. Can everyone hear me well? We're good enough, I guess. If you want to hear me, uh, I guess. Good morning. I love you. Uh, don't mean to steal Josh's thunder there, but uh, I feel like that's something I have to say. Uh, if you would, would uh, open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter five, uh, as Josh said, we are working through the Beatitudes. Uh, Jesus has started his ministry at this point. Uh, this is after John the Baptist was arrested, uh, so John's not there at the moment. Jesus steps up; it's like, all right, it's my time, my time to shine, uh, which is good. We want that. Uh, he's been ministering to the crowds, he's teaching the gospel of the kingdom, and he's healing every disease. I'm uh, oh, sorry, not <laughs> used to that. Uh, uh, it says the great crowds are following him, and he sets down to teach. So we're at this point; he's setting down to teach. That's a position taken by rabbis uh, that were in the temple, they would sit down and teach, and people would gather around and listen. Uh, We're very fortunate in our day. We've got Bibles we can have on our phones or right here in front of us. We've got all of God's Word open to us. At that point in time, what you heard from the rabbi was what you got. Uh, So if you don't like what I say, I guess you can just go home and read your Bible. So (laughs) Uh, so Matthew 5-6 Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Uh, Through the Beatitudes you see a progression, um, a working out, uh, kind of like steps is how I see it. Uh, You start with blessed are the poor in spirit. Uh, Those people recognize their brokenness, their uh, depravity uh, to sin. Uh, Jesus promises them that theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, Then you get to blessed are those who mourn. Uh, Josh went over not only the corporate mourning of Israel through the Old Testament, but also our personal mourning over our sin, uh, those that are broken by it. He says that they shall be comforted. Uh, Blessed are the meek, those who have been humbled or or submission to God. uh, They shall inherit the earth. Me and Josh have a little different views on when that actually takes place, but uh, one day it will happen. We will inherit the earth and uh, there will be no more sin. I look forward to that day all the time. Uh, And then we get to, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Uh, So as we get through those steps and the progression of the Beatitudes, we're seeing that the broken, grieving, those who are humbled or brought low are made promises. uh, Promises of the kingdom, of comfort, of kingship over the earth, and of righteousness. And for this time, we want to focus on righteousness and what does it mean? What, what does righteousness mean not only to us uh, with God, but also with each other? How does that work out? Um, one, one verse that I love is in Psalm 51, uh, kind of at the start of the Beatitudes. That just what comes to mind. Uh, David's crying out to God. This is after he had uh, committed adultery with Uriah's wife and had him murdered pretty much. Um, Uh, He's repenting here and trusting in God. He says, Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. We see here that David is poor in spirit. Uh, There's never... Not a time to go back and be poor in spirit. Uh, you can always be comforted when that happens. David had sinned, and like we think of our sin and we're like, oh, it's not that bad. And then we're like, David, what what were you thinking? <laughs> uh, but then when you look at yourself again, and you're like, oh yeah, I am pretty bad. Uh, but David goes back and he repents, and he turns to God, and he is humbled. He's brought back to that point of spiritual depravity that uh, he knows he's broken, and he needs forgiveness Uh, and that's where that righteousness comes in Uh, when jesus is talking about blessings here in the beatitudes uh, it's not just uh, just like it's it's happiness but that's not it there's like a contentment and satisfaction with it it's a deep uh, sense of fulfillment i would say Uh, it's not only just like in that moment Um, it's a uh, like a like a river with a deep current under it it's always flowing Uh, No matter what comes our way. Uh, I know Mother's Day brings up a lot of pain for some people. Uh, But again, we have that righteousness from Christ um, that that comforts us in our pain. Uh, Yeah. Uh, So he uses hunger and thirst to describe uh, our need and our want. I feel like this has a lot more application uh, back in Jesus' day. Uh, we're very fortunate. We've got we can go down over to Mary's and and get lunch. Uh, those people at that time they were lucky to have their next two meals planned out. Um, so hungering and thirsting is not only uh, just something that we experience, but it's an intense, continual desire. Now, even when we go eat at Mary's about time dinner time rolls around, we're hungry again. Uh, or uh, Tony's not here, but any of you who have wrestled know that uh, cutting weight is not the funnest thing. And uh, sometimes, like the day before, you don't get to drink anything. Talk about thirsting! Uh, yeah, there's there's story. I read stories of people who were marching through the desert uh, times of war, and they got ahead of their supply chain, and so they had no water, and they had to to go into a city and take it over uh, to push the enemy out. And uh, with no water, and uh, the guy was recalling the story of how there was nothing else that mattered besides getting the mission done because the thirst that he experiences was something that he'd never experienced before. Uh, and I, I like to think, what if we hungered and thirsted like that after God? What if that was our desire uh, at the top? Like, are we are we doing that? Um, yeah. So, but hunger, hunger is a good thing. Uh, when you're hungry, it means you're alive. Yeah. Uh, so, there's times when uh, there's times when, like, if you're not hungry, you're like people who are sick or in the hospital, they lose their appetite. That's uh, usually a bad sign. The doctor comes around. And says, are you eating? Are you drinking? Are You getting fluids? When you're doing that, it means you're still going. It's you're sustaining yourself. Uh, but it's not only the uh, the physical thirst and hunger that we need—it's a righteousness. It's a, a bread and bread and wine. Would you say that comes from Jesus? Uh, so I would like to define righteousness in, in two two senses. There's kind of what we think on a human level. Uh, it's being the quality of being morally true or justifiable. So you're uh, in the right right standing, I guess, according to the law. Uh, and also there's righteousness of the quality of being right in the eyes of God. Uh, there's That's the important one, I would say, for sure, first part. Uh, and then uh, how do we go about putting on the righteousness of Christ? Uh, one quote from Spurgeon says that to hunger after righteousness is a sign of spiritual life. We go back to that if we're at the doctor. They, uh, are you eating? Are you drinking? Uh, nobody who is spiritually dead, ever did this. If you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you are spiritually alive. When the Spirit of God has changed our nature, that new nature hungers and thirsts after righteousness. The old nature never did, never could, and never would do so. That's Spurgeon that said that, Charles Spurgeon. If you don't know who he is, maybe you should hunger after some of the stuff he wrote. Um, One one thing, as you're reading through through Matthew, uh, the question that pops up, as what are you hungry and thirsty for? The story in Matthew 19 of the rich young ruler comes up. Uh, Matthew 19, verse 16 says, When a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? And Jesus replies, What do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. That should have sent a signal to that guy's brain. Like, oh, keep all of them? Okay. <laughs> The guy uh, seems rather arrogant. He he says, which ones, he inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. All these things I've kept, the young man said, what what do I still lack? Jesus answers that if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. says, when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. So the... Rich young ruler had a hunger and thirst, not ultimately for God. He had a thirst for, I guess, forgiveness, but only the point to where he didn't have to give up his money for it. Uh, Jesus is telling him to follow all of the law, and the guy thinks he can do it. Uh, That's When you you listen to the Pharisees, Josh talked about, uh, they thought they were righteous. They followed the law. They knew the law. But Jesus says they were like whitewashed tombs. The, the exterior looked really nice, but the interior was full of dead bones. Um, so, as we, we get to what are you hungry and thirsty for, we read passages of not only uh, hungering and thirsting for uh, like food and water, but for Jesus himself. Throughout the New Testament, Jesus declares that he is the bread, he is the life. If you're thirsty, come drink from the well that never runs dry. Um, After he feeds the 5,000, Jesus answers them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. So those great crowds, which the 5,000, are, it was just counting the men. It didn't count the women and the children too. Like Jesus had just done the miracle of feeding them with, what was it? two, two lo- five fish, two loaves. I got that backwards. Uh, but he just performed that miracle. They all ate, and then they're following him around still, asking for more food. So they uh, they'd missed the mark on what they're supposed to hunger and thirst for. Uh, then there's back and forth between them. He's asking, "What sign must I do that?" Or uh, they said to him, "Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? That's what work do you perform?" That's after he just fed over five thousand people. Um, Jesus said to, said to them, "Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you bread from heaven, but my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world." They said to him, "Sir, give us this bread always." Again, they're just asking for food. They don't. They don't. They don't see it. They don't get it. I mean, Jesus points it out to them directly. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. <laughs> goes on to say how they grumbled. Like, is this, this, this is Joseph's son? Uh, why don't you just give us some more bread, Jesus? Um, uh, he, he continues on and says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will have eternal life. Again, he says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Uh, It says the Jews disputed, disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? They still don't get it. I don't know how Jesus spells it out any more clear. He says, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you will have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my fa- flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living father sent me, and I live because of the father, so whoever feeds on me, he will also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Uh, they're still thinking that Jesus is just referring to, to bread and water that people eat. Uh, he's promising them himself. said, hey guys, I'm here. Have me and you will be filled. Uh, and later on, I take that to be the Spirit himself coming into us. Uh, because when, when we partake of this, we remember what Jesus has done and uh, how the Spirit sustains us. Uh, so again, I ask, what are you hungering and thirsting for? Are we thirsting after God or are we thirsting after other stuff? Uh, Psalmist says that as the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you. O oh God, my thirst for God, for the living God. Psalm 61, oh God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you, my soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Speaking of, speaking of dry and thirsty, excuse me, so the psalmist, he, he gets it, He's not like those five people, which might not have been all of them. He's not like the 5,000. He's not like the rich young ruler. He's thirsting after something that will satisfy him. Uh, When we eat and we drink here at lunch in a minute, uh, our hunger will be satisfied, but only temporarily. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones says that the Christian is one who one, who, who at one and the same time is hungering and thirsting, and yet he is filled. And the more he is filled, the more he hungers and thirsts. That is the blessedness of the Christian life. It goes on. So when we first hunger and thirst, when we are first poor in spirit, that first step uh, of the Beatitudes, um, we hunger and thirst and we're filled. We get God. We get his spirit. We get forgiveness. And then we're still hungry and thirsty. But this is a different hunger and thirst. This is a hunger and thirst after God. It's not just the hunger and thirst that fills us and we're satisfied and we move on. It is a continual desire of, I don't know. Are there any English teachers here? that The, the hunger and thirst that's described in that passage comes from the perfect tense, which we got past, uh, future, present, that sort of thing. Uh, the perfect tense is not only then, but ongoing. Uh, like when Jesus was on the cross and he cried out, It is finished. He not only said it for then... It was for that moment and forever. Amen. It's all. It's finished now, and it, it will always be. Um, so, why righteousness? Uh, why do we need to be made made right in the eyes of God? Well, first of all, righteousness and justice are the foundation of God's throne. It's the steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. And it says in the in Proverbs. It says in the way of righteousness there is life. Along that path is immortality. I mean, that's a that's a weighty right. thought. That God's throne is founded on righteousness and justice. Now, if we were all righteous and had perfect righteousness here now, uh, I don't think we'd need justice because everybody would do what was right. Uh, but God, <laughs> God's got to have righteousness and justice because we need both. Uh, we don't always do what's right. Um, another problem of why why righteousness. Uh, The Pharisees are following them around, and they're always kind of trying to get a jab in, uh, make a a misstep. Jesus says that, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So they have a problem. They are righteous on the outside. Their cup's clean on the outside, but on the inside, it's still dirty. So we need a righteousness that is clean all the way through. And we know that that righteousness comes from God, comes through faith. Uh, Even all the way back in Genesis, the first book of the Bible, it says, Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. It wasn't Abraham's works that got him saved or got him to heaven. Uh, It was his belief in God and the promises of God. And we believe in the promises of God. When we look at that cross and we go to this table, we're remembering God's promises. Um, in Romans, it talks about the gospel. Jesus, when he came, he was preaching the gospel of the kingdom. A lot of times we shorten the gospel, uh, which is not a bad thing, but it's just we've, we've crunched it down. It's only uh, forgiveness of sins for me. Me and Jesus, that's it. Um, Jesus talks about the gospel of the kingdom. Yeah. There's more than just you and Jesus. There's you and Jesus, and then you and your neighbor. Yes. Um, yeah. Let's see how I'm on time. <laughs> I'm deciding whether or not to skip a few <laughs> sections I'm up here, like Josh. Oh, I brought the long sermon. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, again, through Romans, it talks about for the works of the law. Uh, no human being will be justified in his sight. It says, The righteous shall live by faith, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift. Uh, So I would think most of you here know that we've all fallen short. Uh, But I would say uh, almost all of you, even though I don't know all of you, I would like to, uh, we've, we've hit that first step. We, we've been poor in spirit. We've, we've been like David in the Psalms. Have mercy on me, O God. Um, we need our sins blotted out, and that's why we come. We come to Him for forgiveness, and then when we come, we're satisfied right then. But also we have that hungering and thirsting that's continual, and that's a sign of, I see it as our salvation, a changed life, a hungering, a thirsting. Uh, we go back to, what are you hungering and thirsting for? Uh, how much time do we spend watching TV versus how much time do we pray for our neighbor, for ourself? Do we read our Bible? And it's not to say that you have, you do those things to be satisfied or to be, I guess, to be righteous. Those are the things that, are, that flow out because he's given you that hunger and thirst. Um, I've listened to a lot of Leonard Ravenhill. Uh, he had a lot of passion in his preaching. I, he talked about how you've got two hours to sit through a stinking movie, but you can't pray. Um. So, again, what are you hungering and thirsting for? Is it after God, or have you grown comfortable uh, just sitting down in the evening watching TV? Did you did you did you pray that day? Did you ask God for uh, clarity, for direction, for your life? Uh, <laughs> one one prayer that uh, oh, it's long time ago. I'd say. Early in my Christian faith, when I really took it seriously, uh, they called Dangerous Prayers. And I said, God, use me however you want. You break me down and then build me back up the way you want. Uh, so it's not always fun, which sanctification never is, when we're made more like Christ. Uh, a lot of times it's not fun, but it's worth it. Uh, that seems to be a lot of things in life that, uh, <laughs> I mean, Mother's Day, I'd say a lot of you mothers, it's not always easy, but it's worth it. Um, so we'll get back to this. So righteousness, it comes through faith. It comes as a gift that all those who desire to, to gain it by the law, those Pharisees, they, desire, they, uh, they thought they had righteousness through the law. They were perfect in their eyes. The rich young ruler, he'd done it all. Oh, I've loved my neighbor as myself. Really, that's, a, uh, that's a, I'd like to hear about that. Uh, but we know it comes through Christ. And how was it accomplished? It was accomplished on the cross. It's in Corinthians it says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God took our place on that cross. We didn't deserve it. We haven't earned it. It is a free gift uh, to all who believe. God took that place on the cross for us. His righteousness became ours at that point. Uh, and what comes with that righteousness right there with God is a righteousness that should flow out. Uh, that brings us to the law. So what, are, what do we do with the law? Uh, a lot of people nowadays think that the law doesn't apply to Christians. Well, I would disagree. I would say, well, are you to not love God and your neighbor? Uh, we're not under the law of, for salvation, but we are to follow the law when it applies to our life. Uh, of course, we don't uh, do the temple stuff anymore in the Old Testament that had different, th- different connotations, different uh, applications. Uh, but the law itself is good when one uses it lawfully. Uh, Still in Romans, it says we... For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Later on it says, do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. It said, heck no. We don't overthrow the law. He says, we uphold the law. So so how does that apply to us with the law? So we've got law, gospel, righteousness. With God, what do we do here? Well, it said in Matthew 22, the Pharisees had at silence the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, he's like, okay, I got that. I got a good question. And I asked him this question to test, test him. He said, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And then he says, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So, the law still applies. It's still good when we use it right. Uh, there, are, there are thoughts of uh, applying the law to, to the letter, I guess you would say. Uh, there's also thoughts of you take the general equity of the law, which is what I agree with. Uh, that's kind of what you see in our country. We've got a system of laws. Where did they come from? From the Bible. And that's a good thing. Uh, what you see nowadays, uh, or have you've seen over the course of history, is people take the law and they distort it. They make the law unto themselves. They become a law unto themselves. And you have suffering. Uh, you've, I mean, it's pretty evident nowadays that that, that standard that people hold uh, that is becoming more and more mainstream is, well, I'm, a, I'm the law unto myself. I have my truth. You can have your truth. Uh, that's... Yeah, uh, how's it working? Uh, Well, it doesn't look too great, Uh, but we as Christians we need to hunger and thirst after God, after His righteousness. We need to take the law, internalize it, meditate on it, night and day is what the Psalm says. Um, And when we do that, we not only can can work out our salvation in our life and our family, but we have influence on those around us. It's because. because of our salvation because we've been granted righteousness with God that has effect on our neighbors or it should Uh, one thing that we might do is be scared to do that Uh, well I don't really I'm kind of a keep to myself kind of person I don't really want to talk to my neighbor he's kind of grumpy or I don't really like them or they have a different uh, political party than I do That's that's a touchy one but it doesn't excuse us from what we're being called to do. The greatest commandments. Love God and love your neighbor. Well, we, we have to do that. Uh, Paul talks in Romans. He says the law is holy. The commandments holy and righteous and good. He says that I agree with the law that it is good. I delight in the law of God in my inner being. I myself serve the law of God with my mind. But my flesh I serve sin the law... My flesh, I serve the law of sin, which is one thing we all struggle with. We all sin. Uh, Still, we do what we don't want to do. We don't do what we want to do. But we know that the law is still good. Uh, Jesus in John 14 says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Again, how do we sum up those commandments? We love God and we love our neighbor. Uh, that's, it's pretty, I mean, I could have just come up here. Well, righteousness, we get it from God, from the cross. Jesus wished our place. And because of that, we love God and love our neighbor. But uh, it's the working out of that that's the hard part. It takes a little meditation. Uh, it takes, I think, debate, prayer, fasting. Uh, which, if you skipped breakfast this morning, maybe that was a good thing, right? Uh, uh, Josh, this morning, talked about, in Sunday school, on how the Judaizers and Galatians wanted them to return to the law uh, for circumcision. Which they weren't returning to the law. To love God and the neighbor. They were returning to the law of circumcision. To gain righteousness. They again were falling back into the thought of. Oh we do this to be saved. But it, it's not like that. It's our belief. We go back to Abraham. Abraham believed. And it was credited, credited to him. As righteousness. So again we, the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love the neighbor as yourself. Now, John 7 Jesus talks about, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, the scripture says, out of his heart will flow the rivers of living water. Matthew 26, before we come to the table, it says, Now as they were eating and drinking, Jesus took the bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, and he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine again until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So really what I want to come up here and say is that uh, first I question, are you hungry and thirsting after God? What what priorities in your life have you put above that? Have we put comfort? Have we put, I mean, I, I say television because that's one where It's like... Man God, I've fallen short uh, but what do we, do we do? We don't despair over it. We go back. We go back to that first step, poor in spirit. God, have mercy. I've sinned again. Who would have guessed it? Uh, but he won't he won't discard us, he won't cast us away as long as we come back to him he he's He forgives us. We can, we have that righteousness that comes from Him. When we have that thirst, that continual longing, and not only of hungering, and thirsting, and and getting uh, fulfillment in it, or being satisfied from it, but also the more we hunger and thirst after Him, the more we're satisfied. Uh, a lot of times, I get lazy with it. God is, He 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 pushes me at some points. Or, uh, Josh has described it as the carrot and the stick. Sometimes it's like, oh, yeah, I'm running after that carrot. Other times, God, here's the stick. Now hurry up. (laughs) Uh, But we've got a long race, I hope, for most of us, uh, although the race will be short in eternity. uh, But we need to hunger and thirst after God. And like I said, that we receive that righteousness from him. Uh, He was the propitiation for our sins. Uh, he paid the price for us, and that should have a change in our life. It uh, not only makes us holy, uh, we've got that forgiveness from Him, but it has a working out with each other. Uh, I think that's that's one area where the modern church has fallen down. We've We've taken that relationship with Jesus, and it's just me and Jesus. But God didn't design it that way. We're one body. Uh, with many different parts, we should have uh, we should have relationships with each other. Uh, we have different strengths, different weaknesses. I mean, I, I I get up here and I play and I sing. Some of you that may terrify you. Maybe that's not your purpose to get up there and sing. But there's other there's other opportunities and ways to fulfill uh, your purpose in that in this church and in this life. Uh, so one thing is we need to be. Studiers of the law, meditate on it, night and day, like David did. Uh, And that brings us clarity. There's so much confusion in the world today because people have made the law unto themselves. They've set their own standard. uh, But we have a standard that doesn't change, which is nice. It's like if you had a lesson that your teacher's going over, she's like, okay, here's the things you need to know. And then they change the questions on everything. And it's like, this is a new topic. What are you talking about? We didn't study this. Uh, our standard doesn't change. Uh, it's the same standard it's always been. Just love God and love your neighbor. That's uh, from the beginning, from the garden. God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. They, had, they were in communion with him. But what did, what did Adam and Eve do? Well, they, they, they sinned. They fell short. They took the law unto themselves. Well, I, I don't really have to do that, do I, God? Um, and so they fell. God made promises after they fell. Promise of the serpent crushing his head, or getting his head crushed and bruising the heel. Uh, We see how that promise played out and is going to play out in the end. Um, Yeah. Talks of, uh, I seem to be rambling at this point, but I don't know what time I started. Uh, But I'm sure everyone's getting hungry, which might be a good thing if I keep you here longer. Uh, when Christ came, He came to fulfill the law. He didn't come to abolish it, which I've heard modern preachers today talk about how Jesus broke the law for love. No, no. Jesus loved the law because the law is loving God. The law is loving your neighbor. And it has it working out. And we should be diligent to study how that law applies in our lives today. Uh, a lot of a lot of times a day, uh, you see partiality. That's The sin of the age is sexual immorality and partiality. Um, racism and sexism, I guess you would say. Uh, a beating down of people because of their skin color. Uh, a hatred of people because of their political parties. Um, when you hate your neighbor because they're a different political party than you, that doesn't reflect the love of Jesus. Uh, but how do we settle those differences in the political parties well we go back to the law what's the law say jesus has no partiality so we should have no partiality jesus loved the lost the broken the poor so we should love the lost and the broken the poor uh jesus said it's not right to steal which i'm not a huge fan of the government uh i think they take more than they need i know some of you might know that but uh a lot of what we see today is taking from one and giving to the other. Well, it's, that's, that's the purpose of charity. Again, we've gone beyond the sphere of sovereignty of, of what is the church supposed to do and what's the state supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? And we've got to, we've got to get back to what is the church's role. Um, our church's role is to love God and love neighbor. And we do that. By going through the law, it applies. Uh, not all of it. I mean, we're not bringing goats and bulls and pigeons up here to sacrifice. That's changed. Uh, but the law is still good when we use it lawfully. And we don't use it as a club either. Uh, again, that, that upside downness of the kingdom and how it comes about, uh, it comes through a meekness, through poor and broken people who have been humbled have had their sins forgiven, and because of that, there is an outflowing like like a river uh, that will will cover the whole earth. And God talks about His kingdom being a small rock or a rock that covers the whole earth. He talks about uh, the kingdom being leaven and a, a lump of lump of dough. It starts small and it gets bigger. I have a hope uh, in what is to come of that playing out. That the God's law will go forth; it goes to all the nations. That it uh, it brings peace and prosperity. Uh, because what we see today is a where f- people have forsaken God; they've forsaken His law, and we have suffering because of it. Uh, yeah. a lot of suffering. Yeah. I don't know what when I say that. Uh, the kingdom will, will come and, and be played out and the law will go forth, uh, might not be here. Uh, one problem we have as Americans is to think that, well, Christianity revolves around America. Uh, but it doesn't. You see where America's at today as a nation uh, and we deserve judgment. How are we judged? Well, we're judged by the law. Uh, and if it does come to that, if we are judged... Uh, that will be a good thing, uh, because when God execute his executes His justice, then righteousness is fulfilled. It's good that God executes His justice. We would we would uh, we'd be very upset if someone was killed down the road and the judge said, "Nah, it's okay. I'm not going to worry about that." But that's not what happens. God upholds His righteousness and justice. Those are the foundations of His throne. Uh, now to say that again. Jesus took our place of our punishment. So again, we go back to that. So I guess closing thoughts is our righteousness comes from God. We get it from Jesus on that cross. When we believe it's credited to us, uh, we can't work out our salvation through the law. That's not where it comes from. We're not the Pharisees. We don't inherit righteousness or we can't inherit righteousness through the law. Uh, but the law is still good. Uh, the law still applies, um, and we should hunger and thirst after it yes. continually. It's not just one thing. Uh, it's like your uh, like repentance. You don't just repent once and go on forever. Uh, repentance is a daily thing. Sometimes more than once daily. I would say all the time, uh, because I haven't. I haven't followed the whole law. But uh, no one has. Except for Jesus, uh, that rich young ruler thought he had. The Pharisees thought they had, but they they didn't get it. The the five thousand that ate the bread and the, ate the bread in the desert. They just wanted more bread. They didn't they didn't get that Jesus was the bread that he was that they need to eat of him. They need him to live. Uh, go back to the Proverbs that uh, this is the path of immortality. Um, The dark thought is that those who don't have the righteousness of Christ, that haven't put on uh, his righteousness, that haven't come to know the Lord, they will forever thirst and hunger in eternity. Uh, The wrath of God, the justice of God will be upon them. Uh, And I, that's one area where it it hurts uh, that we have friends and neighbors and family members that that we know aren't hungering and thirsting after God Uh, so what do we do? we Tell them what the law says. And then we give them the good news. It's not just law, law, law on them. It's the gospel with it. They, they uphold each other. If we just are all grace. Oh, Jesus loves you. Has a wonderful plan for your life. Oh, that's great. I have a wonderful plan for my life too. I guess he can help me out. <laughs> and it's not just, well, you're condemned and you're a sinner. Okay, well, great. Now I can't do anything about it. It's both together. Uh, It's hey, you're condemned. You're in the eyes of God. If He was to judge you by the law today, well, have you sinned? Mm -hmm. Have you fallen short? Uh, uh, Most people would say, uh, Yeah, I guess so. Said so. How? What would happen if in the judgment? Well, I guess I'd go to hell. And. really doesn't take that much to ask people that. It might be uncomfortable the first time or the 50th time, but we're to love God and love our neighbor. And so we should ask those questions. We should ask where, where, like your brothers and sisters, where are you at with God? Do you hunger and thirst after him? Are you following him? Do you see that in their life? Because you should see it. When someone's gained the righteousness of Christ from above, they should have an outflowing below. Yes. It's not just a one-way relationship. Uh, it applies to our community, to our families, um, to our friends. There should be an outflowing of God's Spirit when we receive it. Uh, so I would ask that you keep hungering and thirsting after God. Uh, maybe we need to turn off the TV for a little bit. Maybe fast. Skip a few meals. See how much uh, your body hates it. Uh, Josh has talked about Brother Yun in China, how he fasted for how long? He should not be alive. Yeah, shouldn't be alive. Uh, God says we uh, can't live on bread alone. Uh, Jesus fasted in the wilderness for 40 days. And then it says, and he was hungry. I'm like, really? Me too. I would be hungry. Uh, But yeah, so we need to keep continuing to hunger and thirst after him, to seek after God, to understand him. Uh, And how do we understand him? We go to what he said. Uh, We we maybe skip a few meals to see uh, how fragile we are. When I say skip a few meals, if you've got health issues, don't do that. Don't go out today and say, well, I'm not going to drink water all day. It's... <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, but there should be a desire in us uh, to seek after God. And if there's not, something needs to change. Um, whether it's fasting, prayer, turn off the TV, go watch Netflix, go watch movies, uh, there needs to be a change. Um, and I think that if we do that individually, and as a church, there will be a change. Not only in our lives, but in our church and in our community. Because uh, when, when we're obedient to God, there's a result. Uh, later on, as we get into Matthew, we may see that result is persecution. Uh, but when persecution comes, that's a good thing. Uh, when we get to verse 10, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom in heaven. Uh, so if persecution comes, good. Prosperity comes, good. Uh, but we, we trust in Him that He is going to do good. We hunger after Him. We thirst after Him. We make the changes if we aren't. Uh, if you have came here today and you're like, wow, I've really not done good. Uh, I'm not doing great right now. I haven't read my Bible in months, days, years. Uh, well, change. Change something. Repent of it. So go back to that first step with the pouring spirit. God, have mercy on me. I've fallen short again. Uh, And he will forgive you. You can have forgiveness. All you have to do is ask to believe. Uh, And then after that, we'll get to work. Um, Because God's got got plans for each and every one of us. He's got works to do. In Ephesians, it talks about the good works he's planned for us. Uh, So, if you're not hungering and thirsting, make a change. Uh, again, the law is good, but our law, the law doesn't save us, uh, but it is good. Yes. So, uh, pray for us? yes, I will pray. Everybody hungry yet? Did I go too long? Uh, so if you bow your heads and pray. Father, again, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word and your law and the gospel of the kingdom. We thank you for forgiveness of sins. God, we ask for those that are hurting or broken over their sin, uh, that they come to you and be comforted. Those who mourn over their sin have comfort. God, we ask for meekness and humbleness. We ask for a great hunger and thirst after you, after your word. God, we ask for prayer lives uh, that are unheard of today, that we pray and have communion with you, uh, that we can have a relationship with you that is great and has an impact on those around us. Lord, we ask that you be with us. We come to this table at this time for communion, uh, remembering how you said you are the bread and the the blood, that you've poured it out for us, and that when we eat of it, when we eat of you, it will be forever filled uh, and never thirst again. You have the living water. Amen. Amen. Uh, I don't know who is doing communion, but you're welcome to come up. Preached it. Preached it just now? I think I just read it, didn't I?